Hi, welcome to this Property Life podcast. My name is Mark Winship. I'm a property investor, coach, and mentor. And each week, my friends and I talk to some amazing people about their adventures in property. This week, I'm talking to Paul and Alex Murray. Paul is a builder who, motivated by a drive not to spend the next 10 years on the tools, decided to apply his skills and expertise to building his own portfolio. And we talk about how property education acted as the springboard that equipped them with the knowledge on how to invest even with none of their own money. Paul and Alex give us some great tips and insights into how to succeed with an HMO strategy. And they also tell us all about some of their more exciting projects that include a chapel conversion. I know you're going to love this episode, so that's enough from me. Let's hear now from Paul and Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Mark. You okay? I'm good, thank you. How are you guys doing? Yeah, well, we well, well. busy, busy, good. but well. Excellent. That's good to hear. Paul, I know you're no stranger to the podcast. You are our expert builder panelist in one of our very first panel shows. Um, uh, for anyone who hasn't caught up with that episode, actually, I think it was episode 13, I think. Um, well worth a listen. Lo- loads of fantastic nuggets there from a kind of project management builder's side of the fence. Um, so anyone who hasn't caught up with that, go back and have a listen to that episode. But um, but ever since recording that and, and obviously getting to know you guys at, you know, outside of the podcast, I've been uh, looking forward to an opportunity to actually just chat to you about your about your own investment journey, because I know, Paul, you're not just doing projects for other people. You invest yourselves as a couple. So it would be great to understand your story a little bit. And um, maybe you could kick things off with just telling us how you guys got into property in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. So back in 2016, um, sort of seen an advert, aren't we, on Facebook, uh, sort of two-hour presentation, um previous to that we always had a sort of an inkling we kind of wanted to get into property but didn't really know how yeah. but paul being a builder um and me sort of being sort of into interiors we thought that could work quite well but literally had zero money um so we're just oh that's it <laughs> we can't get into property we need like millions in the bank um but yeah saw the ad went on to two hours um then we followed on to the, the three day um seminar and it was just like wow yeah completely opened up our eyes to everything property we, well we didn't think we knew it all did we but we kind of sort of knew the building side of things but yeah i think the really thing that sparked us with the using other people's money yeah so that was yeah yeah you just i don't know if it's an old school approach <clears throat> where you just think that you save up save up save up buy a house save up wait another 10 years buy another house and that's sort of how we had it in our heads but Obviously, you do some training, you realise there's some different ways of doing it. Um, yeah. Something just clicked and thought, oh, yeah, I can see that, I can see how that works. And that's when we thought, let's do it, didn't we? You had a big why as well. So, <clears throat> don't to tell your story, but Paul, don't know if anyone's met him or seen him, he's yeah, quite tall. Um, so, I've been on the tools all your working life, he's yeah, multiple back issues. Yeah. You need to get off the tools and find an alternative well, you, well, income. You had a job, you had to go get a job, didn't you, um, as a project I've been, manager? I've been working for myself for most of my working life and then getting a job as a project manager, I absolutely hated <laughs> having to work for one and couldn't wait to get back working for myself. And so, yeah, we just, yeah, it just sort of landed at the right time, I guess, where, 
gives an opportunity to get back work for yourself again and be your own boss. Um, so so it's a mindset shift for you because you often hear people in the building trade talking about that, you know, the fact that, you know, they get to a point where they think, right, you know, I've been I've been making other people money through their developments for for so long, um, and I, I you know I'd, I'd really like to look into how I can do this for myself. Was that kind of how it happened for you as well? Yeah, it's interesting. So Alex said before, always had an inkling to do it, always wanted to do it, and yeah, done so many developments and built so many properties, conversions, etc. for other people, yeah. and. I quite liked it and like the fact that you were making them some money and improving stuff for them. However, deep down you're thinking, why would you do this yourself? And I, but back then you're thinking, well, you need loads of money to do this. Um, but it's interesting because I was like that, but then I've got lads who have worked for me and they all want to do it and think it's easy. Oh, well, I could do it. And they want to go off and run and do it because they see what you're doing. Yeah. Because I'm kind of quite amiable and I'm a builder and I'm on a level with them. Then they think, well, if he's doing it, then you know I can run off and do it. But they haven't got a clue until you go and get educated to actually how to do it. Yeah. And some of them get a bit envious of you as well, which is really interesting. I found. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's it's funny. It's definitely a mind shift from being on the tools to be on the other side of it. Yeah. Um, and it's all because also you've got to be able to delegate more. Now I'm. A bit of a control freak, and I always want to get my hands on and get stuff yeah, done. Yeah, that must be a real temptation. It's so difficult. I mean, I've been working this last couple of months on the chapel trying to get it wrapped up in time, you know. But really, to be investing efficiently and effectively, you don't want to be on the tools. You need to be the one creating the deals or raising the money, etc., etc. So we've had a bit of a lull this last say four months of not being actively trying to find money, um, looking for new deals or anything, because we've been lumbered with what's going on with COVID and contractors and deals and trying to get a push on this job. So it's been quite nice in one way because I've got to get my hands dirty again. However, <laughs> we've not been concentrating on the other side of things, which we should have been. Yeah, yeah. So how did um, it start out? What was your first deal? Do you remember your first investment property? Yeah. It's a so our investment area of Leeds. So we were going straight into the multi-lets, so sort of bypass the buy-to-lets. We just wanted that, obviously, get that higher cash flow and um, so we could go sort of, you know, have that security as quick as possible. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a um, three-bed. We, we bought off the council, so it was ex-local authority. Okay. Um, that stone's throw away from Leeds United football ground. Yeah. Bought it, yeah. bought it for 90 grand, um, yeah. spent about 25 grand on it, um, and we refinanced at 155. Five, five. Yeah. So, near on money in, money out. Yeah. Um, which you is, did a bit of the work, though. Well, I did, yeah, I did a bit of the work on it. <laughs> well, um, we'll let you off as it was the first one. Yeah, yeah we'll, but then we've just, we've just completed on one across the road. Um, and bought it for 120 grand and it's in loads worse nick than the one we bought for 90 grand so it just goes to show how much it properties increase over yeah. a few years now before choosing we always want to invest in leads but we're very specific in that area and we did a lot of research in that area and it's nice to see it all come into fruition and yeah. all that research that you put into these things to see how it's going to develop how 
things are going to change in that area to lift it, etc. It's all happening. So it's nice to see that now. But I mean, one house at the road just sold for 180 grand that we saw. So I know to me it's a bit crazy, but it's just good to see that um, the income, not the income, sorry, the values of the properties yeah. shooting up yeah. where you're investing. Absolutely. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, we only sort of go numbers on bricks and mortar anyway, valuations, yeah. because we do three and four beds multi-lets. So it's nice and safe and it's nice to see that that capital appreciation is actually happening as well, isn't it? Um, it's nice to it's nice to see it see it happen in real life though isn't it you know when you you, you refinance a deal you sort of you've seen the model on paper you know you might have heard you know examples of other people doing similar deals but until until you've actually done it you almost don't believe that it's possible and that that money that comes back to you through the refinance and and suddenly the world is your oyster, isn't it? Because you think, well, I can genuinely scale this now using this model. And I remember that just being a complete eye-opener for me. The first time you get that sort of refinance payment come through, you know, you're, 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 you're back shopping again, aren't you? Well, that's the, the thing. So it was the yeah. rent for me coming in. It's like, oh, my God, this is going to keep coming in every month. And it's like, and then you do another one and you're like. Oh. And everyone says that about their first sort of rental payment, don't they? But it was pretty, especially with a multi-let HMO, Obviously, you're getting paid quite a lot that month. Yeah. And it was. I thought, wow, this is coming and we're not doing anything, if you like. Yeah. And then obviously, as you build and get more and more, it's, that obviously increases. Yeah. But, yes, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And, yeah, again, just knowing how well you're going to get that capital appreciation as well, which doesn't happen yeah. everywhere. It absolutely doesn't. But this yeah. is why we're very specific to where we want to invest. Yeah. Um, where do you go, so yeah, where are you guys first. based? Where are you based? Halifax. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so only 20 minutes, 20 minutes from Leeds. Um, yeah. Now we're 40 minutes from Manchester. Um, we're pretty well located, really, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so I, I would imagine that a big part of you deciding on a multi let kind of multi let small HMO strategy was demand based. So, what, what was some of the demand that you identified in Leeds? What, what was the reason that you decided to start investing in that area in, in the sort of multi let market? So, Leeds we knew was going to grow capitally anyway. Um, we saw the standard of HMO in Leeds, which wasn't great. So, we thought, sure, if we can increase the standards of living then we can't go far wrong. And we've always done this where we'll do one and see how it goes. And if it works, then right, well, we'll do another one. You know, we wouldn't just go and jump into three in an area. Um, yeah. But I've, yeah. I've done, I've done obviously put ads out in spare room and things like that. So, so Test, yeah, you tested the, the demand there, the didn't you? But when you're in a city like Leeds, then you know there's going to be demand. And if you can be a level up from the standard that's already there, yeah, then you know you're going to fill them. And that's a really it's good quite point. A lot of people talk about saturation, don't they, when it comes to things like multilets and HMOs and this area is saturated and this area is saturated. And that's always my take on it as well. That, that that just means that, you know, you need to find ways to differentiate your product from everything else on the market. And it sounds like that's what you identified as well. I mean, the, the feedback we get off people, well, and tenants moving in is they're living in the HMO with more people. And they want to live with less people, which is why we do three and four beds, because we give them a decent space, decent communal, decent sized rooms or en suite. Um, 
So they actually want to live with less people. So they're moving from HMOs with more people into less HMO, uh, sorry, less people in the HMO. Yeah. So again, yeah, it can be as saturated as it wants. I know people are going to live in our HMOs over a lot of other HMOs around, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's the feedback we get um, quite often, don't we? Yeah. I'm just thinking about that. The first deal, the one on Wesley Street, we had, what well, was four bed, one on suite and three share in a bathroom. So it's like, oh, kind of what, Put yourself in there, you know, the tenant shoes. What, you know, if you were sharing a bathroom with someone, what would you want? So it's like, well, sink. I'd like, you know, I'd like my own little unit. So we put three sort of vanity units in there, didn't okay. we? Okay. Well, Obviously, don't be cleaning the teeth. Yeah. Might be. <laughs> yeah. in the morning, but just have their own. Yeah, in a big shower. Yeah. But then the one across the road, which we just completed on this, literally across the road, we're going to do a three bed. Um, so we're going to give them more communal space, um, bigger bedroom, mezzanine floors. Um, and we'll probably achieve better rents in that than we do in the four bed. Yeah. Uh, again, you learn as you go along and how to adapt and how to evolve. Um, I think we've got the only HMOs in these which got mezzanine floors, that's for sure. <laughs> it's, it's funny though, isn't it? The temptation sometimes is, uh, well, well, you can see that the temptation because it exists, it's so prevalent within the market to cram as much as many people as you can into a single property to try and maximize the revenue and of course you're operating this as a business you do need to focus on the bottom line but at the same time it's like you've said sometimes you know it's about the quality rather than the quantity if you like isn't it and and sometimes specking things a little bit higher and and potentially even sacrificing you know a bedroom space or something for additional communal space it means that you can command even higher rent yeah, it's all about longevity. I mean, we've got less, what, year, less turnaround. We've like, got one tenant mm. in one of our three beds. She's she probably been there two years, isn't she? Probably longer. Yeah. Maybe longer. Yeah, you know, and that's what you want. You don't want to turn. You don't want to cheer. You want to give someone somewhere to live that they're happy to stay at. Yeah. And we see that um, yeah. in, in our rentals. Absolutely. Really, really. But it's interesting because where we've got we invest down in North Wales as well, and on the street where we invest there's HMOs which are six beds yeah and in the same footprint of a house we're doing four beds and yeah. we're achieving by okay. far a lot yeah. more rent than what okay. they are getting yeah um, and really you'd like to say we've had our um we've had our um, interesting situations down there but yeah yes it's so how have things moved on since that first deal then? So you mentioned HMOs in North Wales as well. What does your what does your portfolio look like now? Yes, yeah, so we've got HMOs in North Wales. Um, we've got HMOs in Leeds and just sort of on the outskirts of Leeds as well. And then we've got um, some buy-to-lets, which have come out of the back end of the development that we did, that we end up keeping a couple. Okay. Um, in Shropshire. They're in Shropshire. We've got a chapel conversion in Halifax, which um, is just coming to the end. And we've just finished a pub conversion in Brighouse. So it's all around the West Yorkshire area. Well, from most of it. Yeah, it's yeah. And then um, we've got a building plot down in Wales as well for two four bedrooms attached houses to, to go out as well, which will be the next one to go out. So tell us about the chapel conversion. That sounds like an exciting project. And a lot of people get into it. They dream about doing things like that, don't they? A church conversion or something like that. That must have been yeah. that must have been a chance to use your creative uh, side as well. It's a nice yeah. one. I mean, it's not a chapel as you'd 
probably first imagine it. It's very box shaped, if you like. Um, still lovely windows and features like that, but yeah, it's been a long one, isn't it? Say it's, yeah, it's been a long one. Through planning and, and everything else like that, it's probably took about 22 months in planning. Yeah. Um, a bit of a battle at the end of the week with parking and things like that. So what were you applying for? What's the, what's the plans? What have you done with it? So 11 apartments um, we applied for initially. Um, they tried to get us to reduce the scheme based on parking, but then it wasn't viable. So yeah. after 22 months, we managed to get them to agree to the scheme um, based on the fact that it was right next to a big main road, uh, main bus routes, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. from a transport point of view, they're happy with the reduction in spaces. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they tried to get it down to five units, but then as I say, after a bit of um, um, grit and determination, we got to that. 11 units um, there's also a two bedroom cottage next door to it which used to be the caretakers or um, okay. the caretakers cottage yeah um so yeah 11 apartments that we've got in there we've got um three two beds five one beds and three studios so a good mix as well yeah um, which was is it list, was it a listed building or not no not listed no. not the conservation area so quite lucky there However, the conservation area, the conservation officer wanted to stick a roar in, as they do, and said it might have some historical um, merit. I said, well, has it or hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, she managed to, to, yeah, she just wanted to have a sale on the Velux windows and make sure we did conservation ones, which are an absolute joke anyway, because it's just a metal strip down the middle of the Velux window. Yeah. And they charge you three times the price for it. So, yeah. um so I haven't put conservation with the lights in. Well, I'm going to put on the ones that I put in. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good one. I'm just not listening to it. Glad to um, see um, see the back end of it now because we've been. So what's the, what's the exit? What 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 are you going to do with them? So first exit is to keep. Yeah. Rent them out in standard ASTs. We may well. Um, Look into some essay on some of the smaller units. Just or even the cottage should be a good. Or even the cottage, one, I think. yeah. Just <clears throat> need to test the demand on it. Um, yeah, that's the first exit. Second exit was to sell as a, yeah. as a whole unit. Um, once we're all rented out, but I think um, for the cash flow, we'll keep them. Yeah, fantastic. Sounds like a great project and a pub yeah, conversion as well. You mentioned. Yeah, pub conversion to ten units, which we're selling. Um, so we've got, I think, eight eight of the ten units are going through the sales process now. Um, again, that's been a bit of a challenge with contractors. Um, it's the first one where I've tried to let go um, and not get involved too much on it. And there's a reason why I'm a control freak. <laughs> so how do you decide whether to flip something whether to whether this is going to be a project that you're gonna you're gonna to develop to sell or whether you choose to hold on to it well it changes i mean the chapel for example has taken three years start to finish we always want if ingmar income didn't we so that our main strategy is yeah income yeah. rather than yeah but cash. to have the two clear two, two at least two clear exits we'd always have but the pub for example we were planning on keeping that we did this with a business partner we we're planning on keeping it um, and then we sold to sell it. Um, so that changed during the process. But again, that was three years start to finish. So it all depends where you are at that time. Um, yeah. If you want a bit of capital, 
if you want to increase your income, um, things change along the line. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just we primarily look for income. We are yeah. starting to move more to the, to the capital strategies now, um, now that we've secured our income. Um, but, yeah, again, it's just some of those options at the back end, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Multiple exits anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what would you say has been your best deal to date? Um, from a from a headache point of view, time <laughs> point of view, um, stress point of view, HMOs are by far the simplest for us. Yeah, um, and probably probably give you the best income as well. I mean. We were talking about a chapter. This took us three years. Um, we'll cash flow oh, just over three grand a month from it. But I think to myself, well, we could have done 10 HMOs in that time and got yeah. 10 grand from it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the good thing about the chapel is we've got a lot of equity locked in there. So yeah. it does add to your, your net worth, if you like, yeah. um, three or 400 grand locked in there. But then again, you start saying, okay, well, what could we do that three or 400 grand that's locked in there? So it's, it's interesting. It is interesting. Good problems, obviously. But um, once this chapel's finished, we're having a bit of a, a, a rest, if you like, and sort yeah. of strategize because this last few years has been tough, um, especially in, into three developments I was in and COVID. And yeah. it's been pretty hard so i feel a bit battered and bruised by it all so we're going to get a chapel done sort of we've got a couple of little conversion conversions a couple of little refurbs on the go as well but let's say they're not a headache they're pretty simple in comparison yeah. but then just reassess what what we're after really um we'll keep chipping away at that income strategy because yeah why but then i think yeah. we concentrate on that capital stuff yeah um, we've got a couple of things in the pipeline haven't we that's yeah. sort of but by the time anything comes to fruition yeah. we would have had that break in a bit of um reset and by then anyway so, so technical yeah. things with with a fresh fresh mindset yeah, yeah once you sometimes you have to yeah you have to step away and re revisit your goals revisit the reason that you got into this in the first place and you know the life that you're trying to create for yourselves and um and then just sort of plot a plot a, a new course for yourself don't you because i think we're in a it sounds like we're in a similar position to you guys, you know, spinning a lot of plates last few, yeah. last few years. And, um, you know, there comes a consolidation point where you decide where you're heading next. We just yeah. need to breathe. I've said for years, I want to start playing golf. I haven't even visited the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> that was always the team. Like, yeah, you this. And then you could go and play golf then again. You could go fishing. Yeah, no chance. <laughs> yeah. This, this this passive income stream is it, is it a myth? Is it... <laughs> oh, it's um so yeah, where yeah absolutely has so so where where do things go for you guys next? Then do you think so? Um, you're, you're taking stock of you know um, the last few years, what you've achieved to this point, and um, you know you're looking at um, strategy moving forwards. Where where do you think you go from here then? Um, so well, still, well, well, we've got the house that we live in now. We just said it value, didn't we? So we've been here two years. We've nearly doubled the value of it. So now we're like, okay. so it's another strategy yeah. about it. Do we sell? Do we sell? Um, yeah, possibly. 
Yeah, possibly relocate back down to Oswestry. Street. I'm sure. Um, sure. Paul's originally from. Um, look some things down there. Yeah, there's a few more development opportunities down there in regard to like new build opportunities. Um, yeah. The plots are down well. Yeah, down plus way, the they? plots are down there, so it makes sense to be down there and do those. But um, yeah, it's hard to sort of give you a, a true answer until we've sort of re. Yeah thought it all but as I say capital strategies I, I'm I'm pretty good at um, fighting planners and winning um, so I need to lean on that a little bit more and sort of look at planning games um, yeah and um, yeah I, I, what, I, what I really want to do is start thinking outside of the box of stuff as well you know yeah. there's so many opportunities out there I speak to my architect quite regularly who really wants to get into something with me um yeah. so it's again it's just looking at that see what that looks like just having the time yeah. the headspace and time to, that headspace yeah. and time to have those conversations yeah but um there's so much opportunity out there in all different necks and say I, I like thinking outside the box finding different different ways of making money yeah um yeah I, i'm not very linear i don't like being too linear in what we do brilliant yeah that uh, sounds great. It's it's so, uh, what once you've once you've hit those kind of income targets, it allows you, doesn't it, to sort of look at you know potential capital projects, developments, and obviously with your experience and background, you can bring that into play there and and uh, and potentially look at some some more creative projects. I would imagine. So it's 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 exciting when you've kind of you, you've hit that that benchmark. You, you've you've met your kind of passive income stream. If you like your your recurring income stream. Now, where do you where do you take things from here? What's what what piece of advice would you have for somebody who is just starting out on their property investment journey? Um, follow. Get educated. Yeah, get educated. Yeah, get educated. Just follow the process. Um, don't set expectations too high. Well, no, that sounds wrong. Don't think it's going to happen too quick, I'd say. Yeah. Um, everything takes time, um, especially if you want to do it properly. You know, we 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 start off 2016. We didn't get started for at least 18 months, did we, um, in regard to buying because we want to buy in the right place. Well, it might have been 12 months. Yeah, it was quicker than that. Yeah, it might have been, yeah. Um, I can't remember now, but I know that it, we took, it took a while for us to really identify what we wanted to do and where we wanted to buy. We had a lot going on, didn't we? So we were building an extension on our other house. We were well, yeah. both working full-time. The kids were young, so it was like, you know, we were, oh, I haven't got, got any time to be doing this investing. It was like, well, yeah, you need to sort of look at your why. And yeah, and make time for it and allow it. yourself to focus on it. I'd say it's, it's really important to pick the right areas. Um Rather than sort of snatching at something, thinking that it's right, or because you've heard someone else invested in there, yeah, you know, you go do your own research and work on these areas, and it's all strategy specific as well, you know. That all comes through with the education, yeah. though, doesn't it? Yeah, but like I say it's just a system that we've. But just follow follow the process, yeah, follow the process, um, and talk to people. That's the biggest thing that we've ever learned from all of this is is raising money. It was a big blocker for us when we started, yeah. Um, but the more you speak to people, the more you tell people what you're doing, then the that's money the money starts coming, you know. And yeah. then it's something that you don't have to be afraid of. 
Um, how, which... how did you go about that? So you was that through sort of friends and family? And I know a lot of people sort of take that approach with with angel investors. Is that is that how you tackled that side of it as well? That's when they first came. Well, when we were, I remember sat in the course, we were like, oh, I don't know anyone with money at all. We're never going to be able to do this. Don't know anyone. Um, and you know, people say, oh, I know you don't know where your money, the winner's going to come from. We're like, oh, auntie's uncle. Nobody's got any money. But then it was, <laughs> yeah, your uncle, wasn't it? Our first investor, he was moving to Thailand. Yeah. Had 50 grand in the bank. He was like, oh, not taking it with me if you guys want to look after it for me. Yeah. So we just pay him every year the interest, and he lives off that. And yeah, we've still got it, haven't we? Just yeah, but and the majority has been from family and sort of friends and family. But then it's the the lesson for talking to people is my brother's raised quite a bit of money through telling people what we do. Yeah, you know, he raised his hundred and fifty grand from a farmer that wanted mm-hmm. to work for him. So. Yeah. The more and more people you speak to and the more, and more people that know what you're doing, yeah. um, the better. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you just don't know where it's going to come from. Yeah. I mean, you, you've had some good success on just putting social things media, on social yeah, media. Um, but, I, you know, it's just being confident and telling people what you're doing, being genuine with what you're telling them as well. Um, yeah. and, and the money will come. Um, yeah. I mean, the money's not doing anything else at the minute, is it? So it's yeah. best off in projects. You're so right to to say not to assume either. I think that's such an important lesson, isn't it? Not to assume that that people do or don't have money, and it's it's just about being open about what you're doing, documenting your journey, getting people to come along on the ride with you, and you know if it's if it's right for them, they'll reach out to you at, at the right time, you know, and it yeah. happens quite organically, doesn't it? Yeah, and as long as they like you and trust you and know you. Yeah. or not of yet i think that's massive you've got there's got to be some trust there and yeah. um and as long as you do what you're going to say you're going to do as well in regard to paying back um what yeah. are the interests etc etc then people will invest and people will give you give you feedback you know yeah. and give you um, a reference if you like as well yeah. you know if, yeah. if people invest, haven't invested before and they said oh well, you got me invested well yeah just go speak to these people and they'll tell you how it's been you know their experience yeah yeah so yeah no i think that's the things for us really is yeah follow follow the process and talk to people the biggest things just ask yeah just ask it so how would you say in in summary then how would you say that properties changed your your lives obviously you're still in the thick of it you're still in a big growth period got lots of projects on um but it's but it still must Mm. seem like a long way from working on the tools every day so so what has property done for you guys uh, as a couple and and what are you excited about moving forwards so for me it was like one of my big whys was spending more time with the kids because i worked yeah. in a school so yeah sort of going to school every day what well, felt like looking after other people's kids and not my own yeah. so the big thing for me was just yeah i've become a, become a mum um obviously been very trying and challenging these past few years with COVID <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. yeah, that was my thing, just to be there more for the family, um, which yeah. obviously property is something to do. Um, just, yeah, a bit do all the nice things, like holidays and things like that, we couldn't go yeah. um, able to do now. It's time, yeah, it's time, it's with, time, time with the kids and having the, the, the choices, I guess. Having the choices is a big one for me to... 
you know, if I want to go back on the tools for a couple of days, I can. Um, yeah. Or if I, I don't need to. So yeah. it's having the choice of stuff is massive. And then for us, it's in the next six months, we will notice a massive difference because we would have finished a load of stuff. And then to actually sit there, um, reflect on what we've done and where we're at, look at the money coming in, and then going, what should we do? You know, again, it's choices. Yeah. You know, we get to choose yeah. what we want to do then, yeah. Um, yeah. which is massive. And it's things that you people only dream of. And um, so, yeah, it's going to be huge this next six months, I think, for us to the realisation of what we've actually achieved. Right. It's like yeah. I said, just when you stop, isn't it? Because obviously you've got the, the, the triangle, isn't it? You know, like buy to lets, more to lets at the bottom and the conversions at the top. But yeah, literally our portfolio has been feeding, yeah. feeding the development yeah. for the past few years. Because this is the other thing. You want to get into developments and things like that. You need some income from property to help yeah. feed yeah. that and pay into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you're constantly putting your hand in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait to stop that for a little bit as well. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you guys. I've really enjoyed catching up with you and learning a bit about your journey and how you got into property. And um, I'm sure the listeners will have enjoyed the enjoyed it uh, the same. So thank you so much for your time. If people did want to follow you guys, um, I think you're active on, on social media and stuff. What's what's the best way for people to connect with you? What's your... Well, well, I'm ready. Well, we're not, I'm not. I'm, I'm trying this, this slowly. Social media. We need to improve on our social media. Um, yeah, yeah, Instagram or Facebook. What, um, yeah, Paul Murray and Paul underscore Murray. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. We'll put it in the show notes so everyone's got it in the yeah, in the notes for the episode. <laughs> but brilliant. That's that's been absolutely fantastic, guys. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, take care, Mark. Thanks, Mark. See you. We use the word inspiring a lot on this podcast, but I really did find it inspiring to hear how Paul and Alex have invested so much of themselves over the past few years to building a portfolio, but much more importantly, building a legacy. I, for one, can't wait to hear what the future holds for these guys. I have a feeling that even more exciting projects and developments are just around the corner. If you want to keep in touch with Paul and Alex and follow their progress, you can do so over on Instagram at Alexander underscore Murray underscore APM and at Paul underscore Murray underscore developer. You can also connect with Alex and Paul, as well as myself and all of our previous podcast guests over at the Property Wealth System community page on Facebook. Please like and follow the podcast wherever you get your podcast fix. Thanks again for listening, and I will catch you on the next episode.